You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. But these vein fragments, one of them that was assayed, returned a spectacular 459,000 grams per metric ton. So that is a phenomenal return. That was from about just an under 20 pound sample that was just lying under the overburden on the surface. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bill Powers, your host. Thank you for tuning in to another Mining Stock Education episode. And in this episode, we will be getting an update from one of our sponsors, Silver One Resources. Silver One, as the name indicates, is focused primarily on silver projects, and their focus currently is in the United States. Uh, If you recall, a few months ago, I visited one of their huge projects, the Candelaria Project in Nevada, and they did about a 30-minute site tour video on that. If you listen to this show via the audio podcast only, I'm going to put a link to the YouTube video if you would like to see this massive, um, I believe, 127 million ounce silver project in Nevada based around Nevada's highest grade historical silver mine that's no longer in production, but the company is exploring and further developing this project to see what they can do, even possibly bring in some of the the old heaps, the historic heaps potentially back into production. They also have another uh, very prospective project in in, uh, eastern Nevada, And also today, just the press release came out, a very exciting press release about a new project in Arizona with quite some stellar results that make you look twice at the pictures in the press release. And here to talk about it with me today is Greg Crow. He's the president and CEO of Silver One. Greg, welcome back onto the show and please break down this press release that you put out today for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, Thanks, uh, Bill. It's always a pleasure to get the chance to uh, speak with you and uh, give you an update. And uh, just uh, for your listeners, um, you can also view that video you spoke about on the Candelaria project by going to our website at www.silverone.com. So that said, yeah, no, we've um, been uh, looking around at other silver opportunities and we happened to um, come across one in Arizona, which is right next door, of course, to uh, Nevada. Um, so it's not that far away, but what we like about it is there are some spectacular um, vein fragments, and I say they're vein fragments because they're very angular and they have this intergrowth of crystals that suggest that they haven't been transported very far. Most of the property is covered by uh, overburden, but these vein fragments, one of them that was assayed, returned a spectacular 459,000 grams per metric ton. So um, that is a a phenomenal return. There was also, that was from about a... um, just an under 20 pound sample that was just lying under the overburden on the surface. Another one came back. It was 417 pounds, probably one of the world's largest uh, solid pieces of silver. Now, what intrigues us is this 
property is set just on the outer margin of an extremely prolific producing copper camp with giants such as BHP, Rio Tinto, Freeport MacMoran, um, Capstone, all mining in that particular area. It's just east of Phoenix near a small town called Globe, which is a big mining center. Also, the brand new Resolution Copper Deposit, which is a joint Rio Tinto BHP project, uh, it occurs in this camp. And that thing boasts uh, about 1.78 billion tons of mineralization at 1.53% copper. It's going to take another 10 years to bring it into production, but it's a huge camp. And these silver deposits that some of them historically were mined in the late 1800s um, lie just on the outer margins of this big copper camp. So what did we find here? We've got this project. We know there are vein systems striking east-west, and the projection of those vein systems occur just upslope from where we're finding these huge, big uh, silver uh, fragments, okay? which we interpret to be pieces of the vein that have spalled off and rolled downhill. So our job is to go on to this project, which we have the right to acquire 100% of. And if you read the news release, you'll see the terms there. Uh, big payments are pushed back to the third and fourth year, so it gives us time to explore it. And if we're successful, then um, finding the source of some of these big vein fragments, then this could be a very, very rich uh, vein system that we would move rapidly to develop it and possibly exploit. If a skeptic was listening to us speak today and reading the press release, could they say to themselves, yeah, you have this big chunk of silver here, but that doesn't mean that you're going to find anything economic. Uh, what would be your response to that person? Uh, there are never any guarantees in life in anything, apart from, of course, death and taxes. But um, quite frankly, um, the it's like any other exploration level project. You never know until you drill things off. Our goal is to explore it. We've structured our deal where for the first couple of years, the payments are not that onerous. We get to go in and we get to explore. This is a prime opportunity. It is extremely rare, if not totally unheard of, to find uh, pieces of silver lying on the ground, particularly in developed countries like Canada and the United States, where um, a lot of exploration has already taken place. This is an ignored silver camp, and yet these fragments are still there waiting to be found. They obviously came from a source, and if that source is nearby and on the property, we will do our best to find mineralization in situ that we'll be able to develop. One of the pictures here says 417-pound fragment with up to 70% native silver, and that that's just amazing. Yeah, the only thing you can say for that is, and I have to uh, uh, qualify this, is up to 70% native silver. That was not determined by an assay. That was determined by what we refer to as a specific gravity measurement. And the reason for that is this is a specimen quality uh, fragment. 
And um, in order to keep it in its pristine state in its entirety, uh, the, it, this is still held by the owners. This is not held by Silver One, okay? But we, uh, it did come from the property. What we need to do is um, make sure that we find the source of that type of mineralization because it wouldn't take many of those to um, build up uh, ounces of silver. And how was it found? What's the story behind, like, did, what, did a prospector find it, or did, was a kid throwing a baseball and came upon it? What was, what's the story here? Uh, there's some prospectors who um, kind of have had, held the property for a while, and they were kind of uh, out uh, uh, on the property. They found a couple of small little pieces, and they thought, oh, there might be more here. So they went back and they brought some metal detectors and they started uh, looking around and they uh, uncovered um, uh, some of these nuggets. So they went and they did a deal with uh, some people that I know and then we ended up doing a deal uh, with them to acquire 100% interest in the project. You just closed uh, a nice financing. Can you break that down for us and then talk about how you're going to use those funds to explore this project as well as your other projects? Yeah, this was a totally oversubscribed financing. Um, it started out fairly small, uh, but it kind of grew as investors called in and they wanted a piece. So we um, did decide to increase the size of this financing. Um, in essence, um, what started out is around uh, 1 to 1.5 million actually closed on January 20th at 5.2 million. And uh, that financing was done at 25 cents with an attached half warrant at 40 cents. Um, we uh, also uh, uh, secured the interest of our largest shareholder, Eric Sprott, who came in for about 1.5 million of that 5.2 million. So, um, you know, so we have a, a good treasury right now. What we plan on doing is move forward. We're continuing to uh, drill the Candelaria project. So um, as we get results in, we'll be issuing that news over the coming uh, weeks and, uh, and months, possibly. Um, and in terms of the uh, other very high-grade prospect that we have in eastern Nevada, we'll be doing some work there this year. And then, of course, in this new acquisition, we want to get in and do some evaluation. Probably the first steps we're going to take there are to go and uh, do some surface uh, work, try and uh, really prospect uh, the whole project because, you know, it's never really been gone over with a fine-tooth comb. On top of that, we'd probably do some geophysics and some detailed geochemical and see whether we can find the trace of those veins. And if we are fortunate, we'll be able to find um, some in-situ mineralization that will be extremely exciting. So the drills could be turning after you do the geophysical and the, the ground survey in, regarding the Arizona project? Uh, possibly. That might be later this year or it might even be next year. We'll just see how fast things develop and uh, whether uh, Lady Luck allows us to uh, find a zone uh, worth drilling. So what would be your burn rate there for investors wanting to know how far this $5 million, uh, will take you? Yeah, our burn rate, uh, G&A, is between... Uh, and, Okay, uh, probably about a million U.S. a year, all right, uh, you know, property payments, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The actual exploration that we're doing, we're probably spending another several hundred thousand on the completing the drill program at Candelaria. 
We have not set a budget for the exploration on the Eastern uh, Nevada project just yet. We're going to review that. We're still waiting on all of the final assays to come in from the, our sampling that we did up until uh, Q4 of last year. And then um, on top of that, I look at probably spending upwards of about four or $500,000 on the uh, new prospect in Arizona. And then, of course, if we do come up with some interesting results and we want to drill, then we will increase that. So I think we've got another, um, you know, if we stretch our, uh, our dollars, et cetera, we've got another uh, couple of years' worth of, uh, of treasury uh, left in the account. And over the next few months, uh, the spring going into the summer, um, press releases, are you going to have most of your press releases coming out of Candelaria? Well, certainly coming out of Candelaria, but if we get some good results on uh, this project, I want to move as quickly as we can in terms of starting to do this. So uh, we might see in a couple of months some uh, news coming out of this project as well. Uh, Eastern Nevada, uh, we will get some uh, results coming out of that based on last year's sampling, uh, but um, uh, the weather's a bit inclement right now, so we're not gonna get back in there for another two to three months before we start some work down on, on that project again. So that'll be pushed back into the uh, Q2, Q3. The website, again, is silver1.com. As Greg said, it trades in New York, Frankfurt, and Toronto. In Toronto, under the ticker SVE, in Frankfurt, BRK1. And in New York, on the OTC, S-L-V-R-F. Greg, as we conclude, what final thoughts would you like to share with the investors listening to you? Well, I think we're uh, into a very interesting time with respect to uh, precious metals markets and uh, a lot of turmoil out there in the world. This new coronavirus, which started out rather benign, seems to be taking on a life of its own. It's uh, actually starting to cripple the Chinese economy itself with uh, predictions uh, dropping growth from about 6.5% down to about 55 even 5% this year, um, that's going to have a real impact. And the instability along with um, coming into an election year in the U.S. Um, could be very good for gold and silver. So I think we've uh, posi- positioned ourselves very nicely to uh, develop these uh, silver projects. And as I keep telling investors, in a bull market, silver often outpaces, outperforms gold on a percentage basis. I can agree. A silver junior with proven ounces, with a discovery in a bull market, um, it's going to be hard to find uh, a junior miner that's going to outperform that. Greg, as always, I appreciate uh, you coming on the show and giving us an update. Again, folks, the website is silverone.com. Make sure you go there and sign up for the company's newsletter. At the top right, you can subscribe to the email newsletter. And as the the catalyst and the press releases come out, you'll have those emailed to your inbox the morning of. Thanks again for joining me today, Greg. Thanks, Phil. Always appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances 
uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns, as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks, don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can, do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met, you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.